You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. At the bottom of the hour, Ben Nicholson-Smith from the At The Letters podcast. Blue Jays analyst for Sportsnet will join us. Talk about the Jays. Talk about the WBC. Ew. They'll join us at 845. 8.30, we're taking... We're going to do some of your text messages. Yeah. Some of these are really good. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm really impressed with our listeners here. Um, Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love blank. Like, I love blank. Because he loves Nickelback yeah. so if you, much. If you missed it last night, he was at the Junos. Um, he inducted... Nickelback into the Canadian Rock Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Do you have a little sampling of that, uh, Alex? On Nickelback. Well, yeah, but do you have a little bit of the speech? Nickelback has brought my family and friends a lot of great memories over the years and kept a lot of neighbors up in the process. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Tonight, it's my honor and privilege to introduce to you the pride of Alberta, Nickelback. There you go. 960, 960. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love blank. Um, I love our next guest. Um, he covers the <laughs> flames for the athletic. <laughs> Connor McDavid's neighbors are like, what? Yeah. That I've never, never heard anything that, um, that you blasted Nickelback. Julian McKenzie covers the flames for the athletic. He joins us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest Holland. Hey, pal. How are you? Good morning, friends. Uh, it's good to good to hear from you guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, uh, do you like... We, we talked to Justin Bourne about this. Isn't it so on brand that Connor McDavid loves Nickelback? I'm not sure I believe him. Really? Is that, <laughs> is that wild? Yeah. Or, 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 or I don't know, just, just the energy in his voice when he's trying to like explain it. It's like, okay, I can believe that like maybe he likes them, but I don't believe that like the music kept up his neighbors. I can believe that like him shooting his puck at his, his garage kept up his neighbors. Yeah. But like I have a hard mm. time thinking that like you hear – rock star by nickelback at like 3 a.m like from his parents place <laughs> would it be like wouldn't you love if he had like a rock like speech introducing nickelback and like Connor mcdavid was totally over the top wouldn't that have been awesome if I he did that last that. night that would have been great but yeah. like and there's no disrespect to Connor mcdavid who's like yeah. the best player in the league but like he's still trying to like he, he's doing all these like commercials and being all front facing and be trying to be more of this hockey more than just a hockey player but like he's still he's still adjusting to it you just yeah. gotta be a little less stiff yeah it's mm-hmm. okay um yep. flames got 15 games left julian i've been talking about they need to win 11 minimum to get into the stanley cup playoffs does that feel right to you at this point, yeah, I, I feel like the margin of error is just kind of, you know, it, it, it's it's not a lot. Like it's a it's a situation where they really need to be almost perfect, and at least for them, the goaltending has been a little bit better. Uh, I think a game like what they played against the Ottawa Senators the other night is a is a really good sign that they can get to that level. The only thing is, is that it might be. Uh, a little too little too late. I mean, if you look at the standings right now, I mean, they're six points out of, of Winnipeg right now, and it's really going to be them and, and and Colorado when they flip-flop back and forth in points on who they're really going to be chasing. And not to mention, uh, the Predators have three games in hand on the Flames right now. It's, it's very tough for the Flames to really make that case to be a playoff team. The best way for them to do it is to win these games. It's just, I mean, after Arizona tonight, they have Vegas and Dallas. You know, that's that's those are two tough roadblocks 
for them to to try to jump over. And then I think they might still have a pretty easy schedule after that. But even then, like they've shown that game against Anaheim, man, like I think a lot of people before that game probably thought like, oh, it's a game like that, that, you know, you can't look over and this team has struggled with before. And then when they lost that game, they thought, well, see, we've told you about this so many times. Like I, th- I really think that loss against Anaheim, if the Flames end up missing the playoffs, we go back to that game and say that that game really killed any real momentum that they could have had. It's still possible. They just have to be near perfect. But I think you look back at that game, of course, the the Boston loss and the Colorado loss as well. But that Anaheim loss really took some wind out of the sails. So Hubert and Caudry both find the score sheet twice with a couple of points. Uh, and Dylan Dubé, no points, but played pretty well on that line. What did you think of him fitting in with uh, the two uh, big-time off-season acquisitions? I, I think he looked pretty decent on that line. I think the fact that that line against the Senators was productive is is really big. I'm, 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 I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we all know that when these two guys, uh, Huberto and Kadri, produce, the team generally wins games. And to have a guy like Dylan Dubé, who has probably played, if not on every line, he's damn near close to doing it. Having an energy guy like him, a, a player who uh, is a tough player on the ice, he, he's able to put himself in scoring opportunities. He's been able to get some. Uh, I know at the beginning of the year, uh, we had a bold prediction uh, piece at the Athletic, and, and Haley Salvin and I, we kind of came to the conclusion that maybe Dylan Dubé could get to 30 goals. It's probably not going to happen. But I think this year for him, just the fact that he's been able to be placed on every type of line and try to find some kind of of positive or, or something that just kind of works for him, I think that's he's turned into a bright spot for this team, I think, in terms of just his play uh, on the ice, just solely with that. Uh, and I think the fact that uh, he's trying to connect with uh, two of their better offensive players, or two guys who are supposed to be their better offensive players, that's a good sign for him. Pelche's been up with that line with uh, Lindholm and uh, Toffoli of late. And as much as the offense hasn't been there, I've really liked what he's been able to do defensively. Now, I know in uh, that uh, most recent game, he did have one bad breakaway that led to a breakaway that Jacob Markstrom had to stop. But for the most part, mm-hmm. I've liked how he's defended well, despite the points not being there. What are you seeing from Jacob Pelche right now? I felt that uh, the fact that he has a better all-around game, that was a, that should have been a really good selling point to call him up uh, when it was time to call him up, or even well before that. I think the fact that he has the offensive ability, but you're able to put him in all situations, at least at the AHL level, that's what made me think, okay, this guy has something that could work at the NHL level and at the NHL level, even in games where he might not score goals every single game, you'll see on the score sheet, like you'll try to get some chances. You'll try to make a smart play. You're right. Like that, that turnover he did that led to a breakaway. I think Thomas Shabbat was uh, the guy who ended up getting that breakaway. That's like the first big mistake I've seen from Jacques Peltier since he's got, since he's gotten called up, not to say he hasn't made mistakes before, but like, Nothing like that, which I think is pretty good, uh, a pretty good testament for for not just for his game, but how much Daryl Sutter has trusted him. And I think I, and I know a lot of people don't like to, you know, Daryl Sutter kind of has that reputation with younger players. And maybe a lot of people just think he's just generally surly. But I think the fact that uh, we've gone from a situation where Daryl Sutter, whether I mean, Jer- Daryl Sutter kind of tried to let us know, oh, he doesn't know what number he is to a player who he could put on his top two lines. Uh, it's it's quite a turn uh, from what we've seen from from the day one of the Jacques Peltier Flames era to now, in which he's being trusted, and even if it has to do with the composition of the team, 
but I think it's it's quite telling about how good he's been, uh, even in a small sample size for Daryl Sutter, that he trusts him to put him on the power play. He trusts him to put him on a line with Huberto and Kadri, but also now with with uh, two other consistent offensive performers in Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli, and I think he's done okay there. Um, how sneakily good has Noah Hannafin been lately, maybe under the radar? I think he's shown some offensive ability. I know there was that game, I want to say, against Dallas where it was a bit of a roller coaster offensively and defensively. Uh, but it's de- definitely a turn from the beginning of the season where I think he was kind of slow to start. Uh, but I think the fact that he's been able to get his offense up, uh, the puck moving has also been there for him too. Yeah, I, I think it's okay to say that he's been sneakily good. I think it. I think the fact that the Flames, uh, their next few games and the the purposes and the intensities of that are probably overshadowing that a little bit. But I think it's fair to say that Noah Hannafin has been sneaky good. Do you like how he pairs with Tanev in the way that the kind of top four have been revamped? Yeah, like uh, what's interesting is is like I mean between him and and, and Tanev that's one pairing, and then you look at what happens up with with Weger and, and Anderson. Uh, I think the fact that uh, they made that switch, I was pretty surprised about it at first, considering that Hannafin and Anderson had been a pairing for so long. Uh, but it doesn't feel as if like the defense has been nearly as sloppy the last few games as what we've seen at different stretches of the year, where you know we thought this top four defense core was going to be among the best in the league. But we've seen so many instances where either they're getting caught out of position or they're really struggling against these faster, quick teams that are able to enter the zone, take over that extra space and make it happen. And I guess there's still some of that second point. But I find I, I'm, I'm willing to say that the the, the, two, the the new pairings on the top four now, there has been some kind of change and there has been a difference. I remember last week we asked uh, uh, Ryan Huska. I was trying to ask about Mackenzie Weger, and he was saying that he's felt he's taken off since he's been uh, flipped. To, to play with Rasmus Anderson. If you look at Mackenzie Weger's defensive metrics, they're among some of the best in the league. And I mean, it's one thing to talk about Noah Hannafin and how quiet and sneakily good he's been. You could make an argument that Mackenzie Weger has also been uh, underrated, at least on the defensive side. You probably want more on the offensive side. I think one goal, maybe some, he'll, he'll tell you he's a, he might be a little bit disappointed with that. But I think the fact that he's been able to be really good defensively, whether it's been playing with Chris Tanev or also playing uh, with Rasmus Anderson, I think that just goes to show that you know these changes on the top four they're they're benefiting the de- they're benefiting the defense and then also of course the goaltending's been good too so that's one major change I think that the Flames can say that they've seen some genuine improvements on. Now he he spent some time on the second power play unit as has Nikita Zadorov as has Michael Stone as has Mackenzie Weger. Do you think that's something that the Flames should look at in the offseason once we eventually get there is maybe another defenseman to help out with that second power play unit that's not Rasmus Anderson? Basically, someone to help out on the power play as a blue liner that's not Rasmus Anderson. Pretty much. I, mean, I don't think it would hurt to do that. I, I, I mean, they got Troy Stetra on the right-hand side, and I'm not sure if they're that committed to keeping him after this year. Maybe depending on how th- certain things look in terms of the salary cap, right? we got to remember they're going to be pretty close to salary cap, uh, even with some of the salary that could be shedding off. They're going to be in a tough position with that. So it's either they make a move for a guy that's under the radar who could possibly help, or they think Jeremy Poirier is NHL ready enough to be that guy who could do that. He's shown that offensive ability at the AHL level. He probably still needs to work on that defensive side too, but that might be an option. 
Uh, I haven't, I, I look as someone who's still new to the market, I have not had that chance to see all Oliver Shillington and we still don't really know, uh, the full extent of why he's been away from the team, but I think it's easily fair to say we're probably not going to see him for the rest of the year. He's still going to be under contract next year. I'm not sure you guys can tell me more about what he's been like on a power play, but that's obviously going to be a guy with his abilities. Who's also going to try to get that second look as well. Well, if he comes back, then all of a sudden, I don't think you have a problem. That's somewhere that he excelled last year and gives him a little bit of a different look on that second unit. He's a bit of a high flyer can get himself in trouble, but he has a skating skill to usually be able to catch a guy. If he makes a mistake in kind of a race, if you understand what I'm meaning there, um, and then, like you said, oh, no, Poirier, you like I think he's just a couple of years away, but he's kind of textbook that type of guy that you look at for you know 15 minute a night, third pair defenseman, but also maybe even takes over the top power play unit at some point. So, yeah, just with the way Poirier just kind of at least we've seen through training camp and at least through AHL, like it's just the offensive ability that he has. That's why I felt like in training camp. He was still, even if he was still like ways away from being there, like because of the state of their defense, he just looked like a dark horse candidate. But well, like I said on, on Oliver Shillington, I think the fact that, uh, you know, obviously we're still a little bit in the dark about exactly what's going on with him and, and the Flames have, have asked at so many different points for us to respect his privacy. Uh, if he's healthy enough to play next year, and it's my understanding he's still at least keeping himself in shape, but if he's healthy enough to play next year, you know, there's your there's your second uh, power play defense with there in 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 Oliver Shillington. That makes a ton of sense there, and especially with the way that the salary cap is looking for them, and how it might not even raise all that much anyway. Uh, the Flames are probably in a situation where they can live with having a guy who, who's played in those minutes to come back and and just kind of plug him into the lineup. But if you want to watch Poye, you know, quarterback at power play, Wranglers are going to the playoffs. There you go. There you go. That's not so bad. So you'll have oh, yeah. that for you too. Oh yeah, I, I hope uh, Flames fans get behind the Wranglers as they go on this playoff run, man. I mean, this is the first year in the market. They've looked really good. They were the first team in the HL to clinch a playoff spot. Uh, I get it. I'm gonna it's be at every game. A lot. I'm gonna try to be at some games, man. Like I, I like last year when I was in Montreal, uh, I got to follow the Laval Rocket, their AHL affiliate, as they went through the playoffs, and that was fun seeing fans go to Place Bell. And, and take in some kind of playoff atmosphere, but also getting to see the future and and some of those mm-hmm. young kids that they have who some of them are now playing with the Montreal Canadiens. I hope that Flames fans, uh, it's not an ad or anything, but I just think for for Flames fans who are big into their team and want to see the future and, and see how that goes, I, I would hope for their sakes that the disappointment of this NHL season doesn't deter them from going back to the Saddle Dome mm. to watch Wranglers games because I, I think that's a good opportunity for them to see the future up close, see them in, in playoff games. Uh, a guy like Mitch Love, who seems to be you know a, a good fit for all those guys there, and then mm-hmm. the way they handle practices and the energy that they bring there as well. I think that's something that if you're a fan of the team and you really want to have some kind of hope for the future, like you 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 know you, you go to those Wranglers games, and, and I hope for their sake they're able to do that. Julie McKenzie covers the Flames for The Athletic, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Uh, you want like a, 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 not that it's a hot take, but I've always believed this when it comes to uh, American Hockey League affiliates. I don't really care if they're good or not. It's just about developing talent for the big club. Yeah, it's nice to see uh, success at the American Hockey League level. And if the Wranglers go on and win the Calder Cup, that'd be, that'd be nice but it means nothing to me because that's essentially, it's all about the big club. 
And if your AHL team is at the bottom of the league, who cares if your NHL team is good? Honestly, I, I disagree because then they're on a losing team. Don't you want them to be on a good team? It's and about be an development. Yeah, but those two things can go hand in hand. Mm. Don't you think the development for all the Flames players are going better because they're playing in competitive AHL games and they're getting surrounded by real professionals who will teach them how to be professionals, even at the American Hockey League level? Whereas if you're on some scrub team, think of the guys that are on your group. I I just think that it's it's about about having a positive environment to grow guys in. And and that's what I get back to. I, I think I just, it's more about meaningful yeah. minutes and playing in big time situations more than the winning and losing part. And, and is it Matthew hand Phillips hand with being a good team too? Sure, but isn't Matthew but Phillips the prime example both. of that? A guy who's dominated the American Hockey League and got has got a little sniff up here, but chances are that guy's never going to be an impact NHLer. Like I mean, that doesn't necessarily have to be a label for every single player. No, there are obviously some guys no, who are on that team who, but again, uh, no I'm, disrespect to Matthew Phillips, again, might have more promise to 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 see that realized. And I'm not saying I'm not you know diminishing or minimizing what happens in the American Hockey League, but ultimately, it's just about right. the big club and just developing these it guys is. to help you at the NHL level. Is it a bonus that the Wranglers are doing great this season? Yes, but it's more about the the Calgary Flames and the Wranglers here. Can we get these guys ready to play at the NHL level? If they win, it's a bonus. That's all I'm saying here. George is absolutely... No, no, no. And and I think we're... I don't think anyone's saying anything wrong because I, George is absolutely right. At the end of the day, like even if the team was doing really well, if the Flames were in a better position to yeah. make the playoffs, like who cares about what exactly. the Wranglers are if, doing? If the, like Flames the Flames were number that, one in their division right. right now and the Wranglers were the worst team in the American Hockey League, nobody would care. It would be fine. Right. Exactly. But to, to Matty Rose's point, like, but to Matty Rose's point. Winning breeds like, winning. I understand that. Yeah, that's not where I want my prospects yeah, is on a last-placed AHL team. But if this was the number one team in the division, no. nobody would care. But And the I, organization would be happy as a whole because, hey, look, we're, we're winning our division right now. No, the organization would right, be happy. But, like, but I, Yeah, go ahead, Julian. Yeah, it's just like, like you can – like. No one is ever going to dispute that, like, the Flames are never not – no one's ever going to say that, like, oh, the Wranglers are more important than the Flames. I don't think that's the – that's the that's no. an issue. I think just the fact that you have a winning team at the AHL level and some of your young players are playing in that environment and they're mm. getting the, – they're getting some type of minutes. Like, at the end of the day, like, if you're playing at the pro level yeah. and you're developing your game, any type of minutes you get, whether at the NHL level or at the AHL level, that is going to help. A guy like Dustin Wolf, uh, instead of him sitting on a bench, as so many people are saying, like, oh man, where are we going to see Dustin Wolf? It'd be nice if the Flames are, if they're out, they call him up for a game or two. But it doesn't make sense to me to have a guy who is still young, still developing, uh, just sitting on a bench for like 60 games when he could be, you know, playing the line share at the AHL level and dominating year in, year out. And to see that go down at the HL level, to put them in a point where they're in a playoff spot, in addition to some of the other young players that are there, not to mention they papered uh, guys like Jacques Peltier at the deadline. So that way, when it comes time for the Flames, their season to be over, they can always just send Peltier down so he can get himself some playoff experience in some way. That's still a good thing. Mm-hmm. And again, no one's ever going to say that the Wranglers are, are, are more important than the Flames. But I think there's a unique opportunity for those young players in the situation that they're in to 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 benefit from some kind of positive high 
high intensity environment, even if it's not the NHL, to to work under that and be like, okay, well, that's something that's some kind of simulation of what I can expect in some way at the NHL level, or at least something that's going to make me feel good, or at least, you know, like a good positive environment. You can have that and 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 have that be a benefit to your team, but no one is ever going to say, like, oh man, you know. The Wranglers, all of a sudden, like they're the hottest team in town. It's just, <laughs> it's just a bonus, essentially. Mm-hmm. So both you and and George and Matt, you, you're both right. You're both saying good points. They could just kind of come together, you know. Yeah. Um. Look, even even like three years ago, because obviously the Calder Cup wasn't awarded in uh, 21 and 20. The Charlotte Checkers were affiliated with the Florida Panthers. It's great that the Panthers mm-hmm. won the President's Trophy, but have had zero playoff success. Like the Marlies won the Calder Cup years ago in 18. It's never really translated. It's been some good regular season success for the Leafs. Yeah. But never translated into the playoffs. But then my other side to that would be okay. Hershey Bears, man. You look at a year that Piotr Kachetkov is having with the Carolina Hurricanes. He's a rookie netminder who hasn't had to play a ton of time with the Hurricanes. But every time he's come up, he's been good. He's getting shutouts. He's getting wins. He's getting all this type of stuff. Last year, he was the number one goaltender for Chicago as they went and won the Calder Cup. You're telling me that that, like that in itself, that experience that he had, because he was on a winning team, and mm. he was on a good team, and he was with them all the way through the playoffs and won the Calder Cup, that is good for a player's growth. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, again, I'm not... Hold on. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying it isn't it isn't good. I'm just saying it maybe doesn't mean as much as some fans want it to mean. Sure. Because it's ultimately the, the about Canadians player right development. Now. Yeah. The Canadians right now have a player named Raphael Harvey Pinal, who yep. is was like a late round <laughs> draft pick a couple years ago, yep. who ends up getting minutes at the AHL level. Well, he's been he had been good at the AHL level, and on the playoff run that they were on last year, scored some big goals and some big moments, and and was grinding around. I know that's one player, but that's a guy who's now playing NHL minutes. That's a guy I think who benefited from being on a playoff run that sent him to that third round. If you go yeah. back to that Calder Cup team for the Toronto Marlies, you're not going to find an overwhelming amount of guys who are, you know, like Hall of Famers or anything like that. But you will find guys who eventually turn themselves into NHL players. Yeah. They're, you're free. You're right. You're right. You, as a whole, it, it's 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 premature to say that if you're AHL affiliate yeah. is doing really well. Yeah, it's a uh, that it's going to turn into playoff success at the NHL level. Right. But it's, to but and I'm not saying you're saying this, but like there's something to it that a situation like that will have players. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if it's something that will work to their benefit in order for them to become NHL players, and that I think is the yeah. bigger focus more than anything else. Yeah, it's a roundabout way of me saying that AHL success doesn't equal NHL success down the road. That's all I'm saying. Like okay. the Grand Rapids could, Griffins, but it, it could but it, like the Grand Rapids Griffins won the Calder Cup in sixteen seventeen. Affiliate with the Red Wings, the Red Wings have been bad right. a couple, two, three years after that championship. But, like that's but all to I'm look saying at it here. From the from, the, yeah. no, 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 I get it. But like yeah. to kind of frame it that way, mm-hmm. where it's like AHL team success leads to AHL team success, I don't think is the way to look at it. I think it's more just okay. Well. What about the players from those te- from the mm-hmm. from those championship winning teams? Yeah. And who are some of those better players who have come up and have done well? I think that's the way to look at it. If you're saying like, well, the Grand Rapids Griffins won that Calder Cup in 2017, but you know, nobody from that roster amounted to anything, that's a bigger indictment than saying, like, oh mm. wow, uh, the Grand Rapids Griffins 
you know, they didn't have success. The Detroit Red Wings didn't have success. Yeah, like, it's about player uh, development. Like Coachella Valley. Th- Tyler Bertuzzi was on that team. Yeah. yeah. Tyler Bertuzzi was on that championship team for the Grand Rapids Griffins. He's he's on the Boston Bruins now, and yeah. they're looking to make a cup run. They went, they got him at the deadline. Like Thomas Nosek is an NHL player on that team, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Kraken are as worried about the Firebirds, seeing as they've had, what, two drafts now? Yeah. It's not like they're loaded up with prospects and they've got a whole bunch of guys down playing with the Firebirds. Yeah. Like, Riker Evans is there. They got a couple other guys. Yeah, it's but for them, it's not nearly as important. Like again, it's this a, is a really long rabbit right. hole in the NHL. No, no, but it is. I but like I, it though. But I mean, like w- winning. Like again, a I lot of people this. will say winning breeds winning, and I understand that. Yeah. But to me, it's just ultimately about player development and having yeah. these young guys um, play meaningful minutes and maybe sacrificing opportunities to win games when you're playing younger guys in bigger minutes, when you can have a veteran AHLer mm-hmm. who probably get, gives you a better chance to win night in, night out. But to me, it's ultimately about the big club. And yeah. that's what it always has to be about the big club. And you know what? You know what good teams do have? They've got prospects that outplay those veteran AHLers, right? And that, that and, those and, are and great problems to win- have. Exactly. And then yeah. that breeds winning, and all of a sudden – all of the problems that you and I have outlined are irrelevant because yeah. you're getting all the benefits of both of our cases. Um, I'm glad we there's went a to- breakdown on how the AHL's playoffs work. Yeah, um, I'm glad we went down this rabbit hole, Julian. It's a lot of fun. Um, Eleven of their next fifteen. That's the number, I think. Eleven wins of the next fifteen starting tonight. Starts Gonna be in tough. Tampa. Gonna down be in tough. the mullet. Bow, 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 bow. Gonna be tough. Twenty-three percent chance, according to the athletic, that they make the playoffs. Twenty-three. Oh, funny that you use the athletic, That's Julian. Weird. Have you ever had a mullet? Uh, no. Oh, never. I would love to well, see you. That, I would I'm pretty like sure, like, there's some kind of baby photo that has. I <laughs> my hair used to be like high up, where it's kind of looked like Don King. That's oh. as close as it's ever gotten. Like, uh, which one mullet, from Kid and Play really had the tall through. hair? Was it Kid or Play? Which one? Oh man, I, I think I'm too young for kid and play, which is a shame. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, a lot of our listeners know who kid I, and play is. I I know that for sure. Um, is it kid? Maybe. Let me see here. Kid. Oh yeah, that kid is, is Christopher some, Reed. That it's is kid. Some tall hair. Yeah, kid had the big hair. That's tall, tall hair. Not like is it wasn't like kid. It wasn't like kid. It was a little <laughs> bit less. It was less uh, organized. Okay, I'll send you a photo at some point. Sounds good. I, uh, I would it. love that. Uh, Julie McKenzie covers the Flames. The Athletic. Enjoy the game tonight, pal. Thanks for this. You too, guys. Peace. And there's Julian McKenzie on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dining at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. All right, straight ahead. We've been taking your text messages. Some of these are beauty. Uh, Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love blank. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love blank. 960-960 on the text line. And we'll talk to BNS, Ben Nicholson-Smith, on the Jays in the World Baseball Classic. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. The Big Show, Rustic and Rose. Sports at 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Um, Connor McDavid was at the Junos last night. Huh? The Junos were last night. Wow, I missed him. The I was on the plane. That was why. Oh, the best in uh, Canadian music. Mm-hmm. And uh, he introduced uh, Nickelback into the Canadian Rock Music Hall of Fame. 
And we've been asking you all morning on the text line, Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love blank. Like I love blank. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback mm. like I love blank. Like he absolutely loves Nickelback. Um, our Sportsnet 960 the fan text reading robot, Texty McTexterson. We, we use him a lot. Like he gets a workout. Yeah. Yeah. He's making a wage. Yeah, he is. Um, because it's a lot easier for us to use Texty than us reading the text message. And I think it just has more gravitas. When it comes from Texty McTexterson. Yeah, I read a lot. There's a so lot more weight. I'd rather not anymore. Right? Yeah. Weight. Yeah. A lot of weight. Yeah. A lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, what do we got, oh, Texty? Robin Airdrie. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love Halifax, Newfoundland. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that, that earlier. earlier. Yeah, St. John's. Halifax. Yeah, I know. I made a mistake. And I'm usually pretty good at geography. You're really good at geography. But I like the fact that our listeners never let us get away with anything. And they shouldn't. And they just sprint to their phones yeah. to immediately text into the show. Yeah, and I, I just it. imagine he like stiff-armed a small because, child, knocked yeah. over a grandma carrying her groceries, yeah. all the way to get to his phone and there, fire off that text. If there's one thing we like to do on this show is pick out mistakes. Yes. We absolutely love doing that. A lot of people are skeptical. (laughs) (laughs) Surprised we don't have more of those than me. Especially the way I was talking about Doug Lacey's systems (laughs) earlier on in the show. Not good. Keep them rolling, Texty. Robin Oakridge. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love monotone speeches introducing Nickelback. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Let's should welcome we should, Nickelback. We should probably play the clip. Right? All right, you want to play? The, okay. Get the full clip there. And All right, play the clip. Out for him too. Nickelback has brought my family and friends a lot of great memories over the years, and kept a lot of neighbors up in the process. Zing, get him tonight. It's my honor and privilege to introduce to you the pride of Alberta, Nickelback. All right, let him know. Put that foot down. Let her sing. Yep. You know. Okay. All in Chestermere. Okay. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback, like I love day old pizza after a night of six, Bush Light and six, Bud Light. <laughs> Tall boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do we have the Marty uh, clip? No, that's no. asking too much. Six Bush Light. Six Bud You Light. do the math. Can I get 12 beers or drink a two liter of pop? <laughs> <laughs> you do the math. You don't have that, do you, Alex? I don't have it saved. No. Oh, no. Boo. Two, Two liter of pop. Two liter of pop. You do the math. <laughs> All right, keep them rolling. Dustin in Calgary. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback, like I love paying 95 cents for something that cost $1. Okay. Hugh in Calgary. McDavid loves Nickelback like I love Sunday afternoons at the nursing home with grandma playing canasta and eating tapioca pudding while listening to all the same stories she told me the previous Sunday. Oh, that's not. <laughs> Eric in Calgary. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. <laughs> that, that sounds sad to me. Uh, you're a big yogurt guy. I see you eat a yogurt every day. Where are you with tapioca? Good for my antibiotics. No, I don't really do tapioca. Yet. Antibiotics? Have... Antibi- it's good or... for your antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> Probiotics. It's good for my penicillin. Provacid. <laughs> damn it. Yeah. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Ah, no, we never make any mistakes on this program. It's good for my antihistamine. 
Ah, shaking off the rust today, fellas. That's okay. Eric in Calgary. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like Will Smith loves Jada Pickett Smith. He knows he shouldn't, but he still does anyways. Mm. Mm. Tough one. Hey, why don't I interview Cal- you about me cheating on you with uh, our son's friends? Well, All I right, try continue. not to cry. Yeah, continue. Shane in Calgary. Connor McDavid likes Nickelback like I like an Al McInnes 100 mile per hour slap shot to the face. Okay. <laughs> would not want to. No, no, that would not be ideal. I think McDavid actually does like. Yeah, Nickelback. he does. Like, no, he, he actually he does. does. Yeah, he likes Nickelback. I just don't know if his love is like. Yeah. Keep him rolling. Johnny Mac in Ogden, Rosick, and Rose are the Nickelback of morning radio in Calgary. There you go. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Jamie in Airdrie. Right? I really hope that's like one of the dudes who wears the Nickelback shirt because they're either you love yeah. them or you hate them. That's fine. Jamie in Airdrie. RNR. McDavid loves Nickelback as much as I like forks. They make life a lot easier and have put a lot of food in my mouth in the process. Said in McDavid's robot voice. <laughs> there you that, go. Th- they get the point. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Guess Again, it. Nickelback to me is like the CFL. A lot of people rip on it, yet a lot of people watch it and listen to it. Yep. I Bill in Diamond Valley. Yep. Bill in right. Diamond Valley. Ooh. Connor McDavid likes Nickelback about as much as I like watching Brad March and lick Ryan Callahan. <laughs> Like you do or you don't like watching that. Maybe he likes it. Yeah. Maybe that's... He likes it. Yeah. I like the licking. Yeah. Dylan from Calgary. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love the big show with George Ruzick and Matt Rose on Sportsbit 960 The Fan. Calgary Sports Station. Nice. We'll sell you the seat, but you're only going to need the edge of it. Yeah. That was Francis. <laughs> you didn't hear that, did What's you? That is... <laughs> yeah, we did the kiss thing with him. You didn't hear that, right? Oh, I missed that. Do we part have it? The show. Live uh, Nation presents here's... Kiss End of the Road Tour tickets. November 12th, 2023 at Scotiabank Saddle Dome. We'll sell you the seat, but you're only gonna need the edge of it. <laughs> yeah. I said that to my girlfriend over the weekend. She had no idea what I meant. Yeah, Francis was killing yeah, it with that. I'm sure. Yeah, that, he was on a heater. That was the ninth take, though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It was the second take. I was really disappointed. Yeah, if that was nine. He was talking about how he didn't like doing that when he used to do uh, when he was really zany on the Jack Morning Show. Oh, he, he didn't hated like the, the recording, recording stuff. Oh, I know his partner hates it too. Yeah. So uh, Francis was great on Friday. Uh, let's sneak in a couple more here before we get to BNS. Dustin in Calgary, McDavid loves Nickelback like I love colonoscopies. <laughs> like multiple colonoscopies. He's got the rocket shard of colonoscopies. All right. Tanner in Airdrie. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love my four sugar, four cream Tims every morning. <laughs> okay? The four by four. Let's go. Ooh, you ever had a Gretzky before? We're shooting quads. No, I haven't. Gretzky. You're not around to tell I... the story of Gretzky's. <laughs> a, gre- a nine by nine? Nine, yes. nine Could I get a shot sugar? of coffee with my cream and sugar? <laughs> I have been behind somebody ordered a Lindros, an oh. eight and eight, and I'm like, whoa, an extra large eight and eight. I wouldn't even go with the Frankie Vitrano. Look at that. Can I get the Majapani, please? A Lemieux is too much for me. That's awesome. Okay, one more before we get to bed. Devin in Rumsey. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback as much as Daryl loves Huberto playing on the right wing. 
Oh, that's pretty yeah. It's <laughs> pretty timely. Nice. Maybe we'll squeeze in a couple more before we say goodbye. But first, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, <laughs> you hear him on the At the Letters podcast. Blue Jays analyst for Sportsnet. We say good morning to Ben Nicholson Smith. BNS, how are you? Doing great. Nice to have some baseball back in our world. Yes. Um, are you missing the pitch clock at the WBC? <laughs> I am. I I uh-huh. can't believe it because you know we've have yet to see the pitch clock in a single major league game, but already because spring training has worked so well and has gone so smoothly, I've gotten used to it. I'm hooked. I mean, it's, it's a great innovation for baseball. And already I find myself wondering how we got by without it. Yeah. It's, it's, I can't think of a a rule change in any of the big four major sports, maybe uh, the forward pass in football, uh, thanks to Newt Rockney years and years ago. But th- this is a, a, a rule change that could really open uh, baseball up to a younger demographic that they've been dying to attract to the sport, no? Yeah, I think it'll help. I mean, you just look at the very simple time of game difference that we're seeing. And last year, games were a couple of minutes more than three hours at the major league level. And so far in spring training, they've been under two hours and 40 minutes. So, you know, We'll see how that looks in the regular season with some replay challenges. Maybe that goes up a few minutes. But either way, we're looking at a reduction in time of maybe 20 minutes per game. And that adds up. I mean, obviously, baseball is a game that you play every single day. And, you know, whether you're at the ballpark or watching on TV, I think there's a big difference between having the game wrap up, you know, at 945 as opposed to 1015. I mean, those are I know it's just 20 or 30 minutes, but. Uh, on a nightly basis, I think there's something nice about having a game with a lot more action in less time. Now, I, I, I'm curious on your thought as far as starting pitchers' pitch counts and how the pitch clock might impact them as the season goes on. And it's early. Pitchers are only throwing a few innings at a time anyways. But do you think that we're maybe going to see some pitch clocks go or some pitch counts go down because the pitch clock is forcing guys to work faster and maybe expend more energy? Well, I do think that what we've seen in Major League Baseball in the course of the last really 10 or 15 years is that teams are being very cautious when it comes to pitcher workloads, and they're also aware of how good relievers are. So I think there are a lot of factors in the game that already lead to pitchers, starting pitchers, being removed from games early. And, you know, I don't see the pitch clock as being a major driving force, but if it's going to push things one way or the other, it probably nudges things towards starting pitchers coming out a few pitches earlier, as opposed to a few pitches later. Um, we, we had Buck Martinez on yesterday too. And we talked about Nate Pearson um, to me, like he potentially could be found money here for the blue Jays could have a blockbuster impact on the bullpen, or he could just disappoint us uh, big time again. What's, what's your read on what you expect from Nate Pearson this season? Well, I think for everyone involved, whether it's Blue Jays personnel, whether it's fans, at this point, it probably makes sense to collectively keep the expectations for Nate Pearson in check. I mean, to assume that he's going to reach that potential that he has shown in the course of the next you know, few months, that's a big ask of any player, and especially one who's had stumbles, both with respect to performance and injury, as, as Nate Pearson has. So... I think you've got to look at it as clearly this guy is majorly caliber stuff. He is someone now who you're not going to treat with kid gloves. You're not going to try to develop him 
for three more years. You want to see what you have in Pearson. And I think for all those reasons, you put him in the major league bullpen if and when he, he proves that he's deserving of a spot that could be as soon as opening day. And then you see what you have. And if that's 15 innings before he hits the injured list, I mean, so be it. If that's 75 to 90 innings of elite relief production, that's probably close to the best case scenario. So we don't know what we're going to get or what we're going to see from Nate Pearson this year, but he's certainly someone who you know, has the stuff, has the ability to, to still be an impactful major league uh, pitcher. Um, where are your hopes in relation to Nate Pearson compared to what we've seen with Yusei Kikuchi so far in the spring? Because he's been excellent. He's rocking that beard. Uh, new attitude, new look for Kikuchi. He looks like that guy who was an all-star with the Mariners before the Blue Jays signed him. Is this fool's gold? Is it just wait till the regular season? Can he maintain his control? What's your read on Yusei Kikuchi? Well, with Kikuchi, it's what you want to see at this time of year. And it's March the 14th. This is exactly where you would want Kikuchi to be. He's throwing strikes. He's in a better headspace. The results are there. So that's that's all good. Now, what is ahead is, is of course, the most important challenge. It's the, the most telling part of how his season's going to unfold. And he hasn't actually accomplished anything yet in a game that counts. So I'm reserving judgment before we say Kikuchi's back, before we say last year was a blip and he's completely a different guy and ready to produce. You know, that may come, and hopefully for the Blue Jays it does, Hopefully for Kikuchi it does because he took last year really hard personally after disappointing so much. So it would be a great story, but we're not quite at that point yet. So he still has a lot of work ahead. And if he can get to the point that he's offering the Blue Jays, let's say a 4.4 ERA in 125 innings, I mean, that would be great for this team if they could get that from their fifth starter. Bo Bichette goes yard twice yesterday. It's his first two home runs of the spring. Were you seeing any sort of concern there? And what have you seen from Bo and his approach so far in spring? You know, Bo Bichette, a couple of home runs, that's always great. One of them was a really majestic 453-footer. That's always good. Um, no concern with Bo Bichette. You know, he's just doing his thing. And um, and certainly yesterday shows that he's fully healthy and and really has his timing down with still a couple of weeks to go. Um, so, yeah, it seems like Bo is in midseason form. Um, after the way he finished last year, there should be a lot of reason for optimism there uh, with respect to what he can offer this team. And, you know, I think the Jays are, are really excited um, with what he's, what he's going to be able to do for them this season, um, as they should be when you think about a 25-year-old player who's very much in his prime. Ben, what's more likely to happen this season? Bo Bichette winning a batting title or Vlad Guerrero Jr. signing an extension? <laughs> well, that's an interesting one. Oh, man. Um, you know, I think Bo Bichette winning a batting title oh. is more likely. Oh, uh, no. Okay. Well, I mean, I think either one is imaginable. And yeah. I don't think either one is is you know something that you're just going to you know, assume is going to happen. Neither one is a foregone conclusion. So it's actually a pretty good question. Um, I think that Bichette is one of the better hitters for average in the American League. I mean, that's that's pretty clear. It could be Tim Anderson. It could be Jose Altuve. It could be Kyle Tucker. It could be a lot of players. It could be Vlad Jr. one of these years. Um, but Bo Bichette certainly has that ability 
Um, we saw Aaron Judge, uh, Arias, and Bogarts went to the National League. So, I mean, that, that takes away some of those threats. I could see Bo Bichette winning a batting title. Um, and at the same time, I could see Vlad Jr. signing an extension. But neither one of those things is imminent, that's for sure. Who's the bigger threat to the Blue Jays in this division, the Orioles or the Rays? Oh, the Rays. I mean, the Orioles are not a threat to me. Like, I don't. Really? Yeah. After last season? Yeah. I mean, I've been wrong about the Orioles before, but I see the Rays as like a really, really good team, an elite team in the American League. Tev Glasnow coming back, Tev McClanahan, Rasmussen. Obviously, they find ways to mix and match with their position players. Uh, Wander Franco seemingly poised for a breakout season um, at age 22. I think with the Orioles, they have an MVP candidate behind the plate in Adley Rushman, and I'm really excited to see what Gunnar Henderson can do. Obviously, Mullins is a good player, but they are a top-heavy team, in my opinion. They do not have the depth uh, mm. on their 40-man roster to compete. I see them as a below 500 team, and in no way do I see them as a threat Ooh. to the Blue Jays. Okay, um, but the, the Rays continue to be annoyingly good in that stupid ballpark with the stupid way they play. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how the shift affects them, but I'm sure the Rays will be all razy and a thorn in the side of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith, uh, listen to him on At The Letters podcast, covers the Blue Jays for Sports and BNS, always great stuff. Let's do it again soon. Thanks for this, pal. My pleasure. And if I'm wrong about the Orioles, make sure to call me out. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I got in the old memory bank here. But again, yeah, I, you're, you, I know you're right because you follow the game, but just the Rays will be annoyingly good. And it's just when's the year where they're going to take a step back? And it just feels like it never, never happens with that just god awful franchise that nobody cares about even in Tampa Bay. Like it's. By the way, what? When, why did the Blue Jays play a spring game in Tampa Bay at the Trop? Do we know? Uh, at a certain point. Teams like to try to get more and more in the mindset of, of major league games, which is why starting tonight you see some night games on the schedule for spring training, and we'll see more of those next week. So, you know, night games, major league atmospheres, they just kind of want to create that transition into a major league environment. Okay, that must have been an electric atmosphere at the Trop. There must have been dozens of people in that game uh, watching the Rays and Jays in spring training Jeez. at the Trop. Uh, ben, always great stuff. Thanks, pal. You got it. Thanks a lot. Uh, there's BNS on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar at line using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Got like a minute to go here. Let's get to some more text from Texty McTexterson. Patrick, let's do it. Uh, Connor McDavid, uh, he inducted Nickelback into the Canadian Rock Hall of Fame last night at the Junos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor McDavid loves Nickelback uh, like I love blank. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love blank. What do we got here before we say goodbye? Mike from the country. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love looking at a photograph of a photographer taking a photograph of Chad Kroger holding a photograph while singing about looking at that photograph. (laughs) That's well done. That's well done. One more? A little golf clap for you there. Big Mike from Maple Ridge. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback like I love plain dry wonder bread toast. M. Oh, it's supposed to be. Mm. Oh, okay. It, that sounded like Ev. I yeah, thought it was like maybe cut off. M, M, yeah. M. It's, it's M's, four M's together. Okay. There's two mm. more. Oh. Okay, two okay. more. Okay, real quick. Steve in Hidden Valley. Connor McDavid loves Nickelback as much as Julian McKenzie loves saying names with French accents. Yeah, he does. And he's so good at it, well, too. He, 
When it's in your wheelhouse. Money in the bank. And, you know, when it's kind of your thing. Yep. Yeah, I would too. Okay, one more. Jeff in Strathmore. He loves Nickelback more than I love peeling my naked body off a hot leather couch. Mm. Gross. Yeah. Why does it have to be naked? Why can't why you be wearing are you shorts? About why are you that? Naked? It's like minus 30. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Maybe it's too, summertime. That's just too sexy for this morning show. All right. Uh, we're going to break down the Coyotes Wait, and Flames did you say tomorrow. Naked? Um, maybe they can win one of the 11 games they need to win. That's my prediction. Only got to win 11. Only got to win 11. Not the that next hard. 15 games starts tonight in Tempe at Mullet Arena against the Coyotes. We'll be all over the game tomorrow night. That's it for us. Um, we, we're, we're replaying stuff here at 9 o'clock. What are we doing? I got Tyson Nash coming up at Okay, all right. Talking yeah. Yotes. Yeah. Tyson Nash. He's a good guest. Hell He's yeah. Good, good on the broadcast. He was between too. the like bench there him, last week during the Liam O'Brien and Timo Meyer chirp. Oh, going to talk about that. Him about that. That was fun. <laughs> that yeah. was fun. Oh, yeah. All you right. really enjoyed playing in Halifax. Uh, Tyson Nash <laughs> on Lucho Big Show. Is that what he said? Yeah, Straight ahead. Like that. So, uh, uh, Timo, you're so pretty. Thanks for all your text <laughs> messages. Uh, you never cease to amaze us. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.